0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, yeah. Better than this. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this shit. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast. Presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday edition of the show. Kyle, it's Tear
1: Maker Thursday here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's going on, dude? I'm just fired up that I came up with a show concept that we're actually going to use now. Yeah, it's uh, nice
0: nice, nice to have one, right?
1: Yeah, I get, get to hang my hat on something every week. You've been uh, almost 52 episodes of Takes on Takes for you, so... I had some catching up to do. I had to get a couple of show concepts together. And uh, we used Tier Makers last, time, uh, last week for, was it last week or the week before? I think it was like uh, Friday. Was it Friday of last week? Yeah, for 2020 uh, quarterback prospects. Yep. But now we're advancing. We're in the pros, Joe. But we're not talking quarterbacks. We're talking ranking all 32 starting running backs going into 2019. Or at least at this point, perceived starting running backs in 2019.
0: But running backs don't matter, Kyle.
1: It's true. They don't. There's only 32 of them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what do we got? We got... Do you have the same uh, tiers as I do? Okay. So to confirm from the bottom up, we have the not-for-me tier. Yes. Jury jury still out tier. Yep. The good tier, the great tier, and the elite tier. That's what I have. Okay. Perfect. Well, in that case, Yes. Uh, I believe we're ready to dig in. Uh, what tier do you have the most in?
0: I have the most in good.
1: <laughs> I also By have far. the most in good. I got 10 names in good.
0: I'm counting mine. two, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen,
1: fourteen, fifteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14,
0: 15. Half the league. They're just
1: good. Good How? ones. How? Well, we'll All get right. Yeah. Yes, so here's how we're going to break this down. Instead of throwing the tears at you and forcing you, the listeners, to try and process, like, 15 names at the same frickin' time, Joe, we're going to go team by team, announce who that player is, and then we're going to say how we feel about that player. And Joe, uh, very fittingly, we are going to start with your Buffalo Bills in the AFC East with the starting running back being Lashawn McCoy, this is uh, this is the one that I thought would be the most
0: controversial of all the ones that I did, and uh, I, we're starting here, huh?
1: Yep, um, you're okay. on the clock.
0: All right, I have Lashawn McCoy in the jury still out category. How? How? How, Joe? How could you have a running back that is 31 years old in the jury still out category? That's because up until last year, nobody was questioning whether or not shady mccoy was still a good nfl starting running back and he had his own set of injuries last year the bills offense was a disaster for the first nine weeks of the season the offensive line lost eric wood richie incognito cordy glenn did nothing to replace those guys the receivers were trash and you had a rookie quarterback in josh allen that teams were daring to throw the football i don't know if 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 la'shawn mccoy is no longer at least a good nfl running back but
1: we're going to find out this year so i'm saying jury's still out that doesn't make the jury still out. It just means he's not for me. He's a thirty. He's a 31-year-old running. He will be a 31-year-old running back in July with over 2,300 rushes in the NFL and 84 career touchdowns. The jury's not out. He's a good player, but he's over that mythical age of 30 for running backs. And because of that, I'm assessing these players looking at, okay, what are they right now? What was last year's body of work and what can we expect going forward? And because of that blend of criteria, LaShawn McCoy is not for me.
0: Which is a perfectly fine place to slot him, Kyle. I would get it. If you were putting these all in a pool, I would not pick. I mean, he would be very far down my list. But for the sake of this exercise, I think it's fair to say we've seen some running backs kind of continue to produce into the 30s. Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson, two guys. That are still continuing to produce, and I don't know LaShawn McCoy is a very prideful human being that wants to get that twelve thousand yards rushing for his career. I'm not going to say he's washed until he proves it, and I think there were enough circumstances last year that makes me say, "All right, well, let's find out in 2020." The Bills have been unrelenting in their commitment to LeSean McCoy. If he couldn't play, they would they would have got rid of him.
1: I think that's fair, but I think the jury was in, sure. and now you're saying the jury's going back out. But the tier says jury still out. Okay. No, we're not we're not getting into semantics here. We gotta keep the line no, moving. No, we, that'll probably be the longest discussion we have. The Miami I, Dolphins. Who are running I? back Kenyon Drake. Joe, what tier does Drake fall in for you? Kenyon Drake falls in the good tier for me. I don't think he's a, a
0: especially dynamic football player that I get nervous about playing against, but he's a very solid in terms of how his receiving production has continued for the last couple of seasons in a shared backfield, and he's been a a sound runner, never really been the focal point of the offense, but when he gets the ball, he's productive, and I think he's a good player. So to me, he's not overly dynamic to be higher than good, but he's at least a good running back in the NFL.
1: Okay, we got the same thought process. I have him in the jury still out just because he was in Adam Gase's doghouse in all of 2018, and they really refused to, to let him get touches, and they had problems with pass protection with him. And then before that, it was, well, we have problems with Jay Ajayi and Kenyon Drake's like teacher's pet because Jay Ajayi is not studying the playbook and doesn't know his responsibilities. And then they get rid of Ajayi and now all of a sudden Kenyon Drake doesn't know his responsibilities. So uh, I, I'm hoping with there will be some clarity with a new coaching staff in Miami. But for me right now, as you said, the physical gifts are gifts are quite prominent, productive in the receiving game, has the skills to be a three down back, but the jury's still out because his career high in rushing yards for a season is 644. He's never had more than 133 carries in a year. So let's figure out what he is and give him the ball. Yep. New England Patriots, Sony Michelle. I've got him
0: in the good tier, Kyle. Um, you know, he really didn't have a full opportunity to get acclimated to the offense, dealing with the knee stuff going throughout the entire course of really camp and preseason. He wound up playing 13 games starting eight almost had a thousand yards and you just know he's a nuanced football player I think he'll be as solid as they come and uh you know c- kind of like Curtis Martin Curtis Martin's a really great running back he's a hall of famer one of the most productive backs in the NFL but did you ever think about Curtis Martin and say wow there's something crazy physically amazing about this player no he's just as consistent and as nuanced a runner as you'll find I think you get that in Sony Michelle and he'll be Known as a really good running back for a long time. I don't think he'll ever be one of the feared players of the NFL at the position, though. Yeah,
1: had uh, 336 rushing yards in three postseason games. So that was the big breakout, was the end of the year. He's also in the good tier for me, Joe. I have no complaints uh, with your slotting, your thought process. Uh, Very good player. Is he a great player? Not yet. I think he can ascend with consistency to be a great player, but I don't know if he'll ever be an elite player. New York Jets, Le'Veon Bell.
0: I've got Le'Veon Bell in the great category. And I think we all know what he's capable of. He had a hell of a run with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here's my question, and I think we're going to learn that this year, is in Pittsburgh, Le'Veon Bell had a top five offensive line every single year. He has nothing close to that with the New York Jets. And we know stylistically Le'Veon Bell is a guy that loves to be patient, allow blocks to take form, and really work off of them. I'm not sure that same style is going to be as – easy for him to just adopt in New York, given the lack of talent around him specifically on the offensive line. So I'm anxious to see if he can, can, you know, replicate the production he had in Pittsburgh, but I I'm not putting him in the elite tier until I see that he can do it behind the jets offensive line.
1: Do you remember we had this conversation before free agency started, we were talking about the jets and if they were going to choose to invest in Le'Veon Bell. And we talked about the, you got all this cash, right? So if you're going to make the play for Le'Veon, you almost have to spend on the offensive line and bring in the talent. Now, they traded for uh, KO yeah. and brought in a really talented guard, but they really didn't address offensive tackle at all aside of drafting Chuma Dogo, which surprised me because I agree with you. He's a great football player. His patience is elite. His ability to catch the, the football is elite. He's not an elite physical talent, so he's only a great player for me. He's not in the elite tier, but I do – anticipate you're going to have some growing pains there in New York with his usage.
0: Let me say this, back to the uh, the discussion about Le'Veon Bell, because if I recall correctly, my exact feeling towards the idea of the Jets going after Le'Veon Bell, I think I said this, I said the most important thing the Jets can do this offseason is get Le'Veon Bell, because I thought from a receiving standpoint, he would do so much for Sam Darnold. And that, that in and of itself in addition to their very favorable cap position, makes that signing logical to me. But I want to see if he can be the same runner he was in Pittsburgh. I know he'll be a great
1: receiver. Baltimore Ravens, Mark Ingram. That feels weird to say.
0: Yeah, yeah, it it does. Um, I think he's a good running back. I think he's really solid. Um, A lot of the things, you know, like – We'll see how he does in Baltimore, where New Orleans had one of the better offensive lines in football over the last few years. And that's really where Ingram peaked over the last few years. He was kind of average prior to 2016. And, you know, I, I think that he's he's best in a complimentary role, like he was with Alvin Kamara there towards the end of his run in New Orleans. But I don't know that, I don't, you know, I don't know if you play the Baltimore Ravens and say, wow, we're playing Mark Ingram, or Mark Ingram and I'm really worried about it. I think he's a good back, not a great one.
1: Yeah, pretty consistent, reliable. Um getting north and south. He's going to churn out tough yards. I didn't realize he had 1500 yards from scrimmage in 2017. Yeah, he That's, that's a big number. <laughs> he had 58 yeah, 58 catches that year. Yep. So, you don't you don't want to put him in a box, but again, I uh, assessing running backs for me really comes down to you know, when you have the opportunity to put him in one-on-one situations, how confident are you in that guy going to be able to, to make a guy miss? How many different ways can he make a guy miss? And then what is his instincts as a ball carrier? That includes at the mesh point, in the backfield, in the open field. Ingram's good. He's not great. He's, he's not somebody I would pound the table for. It definitely lands in my good tier. Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Mixon.
0: I have Joe Mixon in the great tier. Um, I think you saw – I mean it- – I still want him to be more involved, right? Like that's still something that I'm hungry for. But you just know when he gets the football that he's a problem to, to, to tackle and bring down and, and slow down. And he's multifaceted. He catches the football extremely well. And he's been a very successful runner despite not really having a very stable offensive line. And you still you saw Cincinnati kind of continue to spin the wheels on trying to get that thing fixed here this offseason. So uh, on a team where he's really the guy that you need to laser in on and, and stop, he still finds ways to be productive, and I thought we saw what he could really do last year, and he didn't even play all 16 games. I think he's primed to be you a know, very productive back for a long time.
1: Fantasy football players, go ahead and put a star next to Joe Mixon's name. It's a guy you want. I think he'll get more involved in the passing game as well, Joe. Uh, agree with you. He is a great back with the potential down the road. I think he has the physical tools to potentially be an elite back with how versatile he is at 220 pounds. But for now, he's great. And and is Zach Taylor there now, too? You know, that's going to be interesting to see if if how his role
0: evolves. And I was in – was it Duke Tobin, I think, was the guy they had uh, as their rep at the Combine. He raved about Joe Mixon and, and how he was the focal point of the offense on an offense that includes A.J. Green. So this is the future in Cincinnati, Joe Mixon in a lot of ways. Cleveland Browns, Nick Chubb. Uh, I have him in the good tier. I want to put him in the great tier. I just think I need to see a little bit more out of him to to believe that he, he belongs there. But, uh, you know, I'm interested to see his usage because they have other really good backs in Cleveland. And, you know, it, I, I think he deserves to be the focal point of the rushing attack and he was a big play threat, despite being you know, a, a guy that's kind of pegged as a power back. But don't think he can't boogie and scoot and rip off some long chunks, man. Uh, Nick, Nick Chubb had a good rookie year. I think he's primed to get into
1: that great tier by the end of next season. Boogie and scoot, he said. Yep. Just enjoyed that visual. Yes, Nick Chubb, not yet ready to put him into great tier. I assessed him coming out of Georgia as a great prospect. He's a good pro running back. Again, consistency that seems to be the themes with with him, guys like him and Sony Michelle. It's produce at a high level, produce at a high level for a full season, multiple seasons, and then let's let's talk about if you're a great back, Joe. This is the last one. I'm going to let you get the first word in on for the AFC. Okay. I'll still introduce the teams, but I'm going to get my opinions out here first because it's boring sitting here letting you take my tears for all these players so far. Yeah. Not a lot of dissent yet. Pittsburgh Steelers and James Conner
0: I have James Conner in the good tier Mm. Uh, you're mad about that
1: I have in the good tier you keep taking my tears well
0: I mean he's he really picked up seamlessly this this rushing attack with Le'Veon Bell not in the mix last year he had an injury that kind of cost him some time but 12 rushing touchdowns in 13 games almost a thousand yards and, I mean, he he looked like a pain in the ass to tackle. And so, you know, I don't know if he has the physical traits to be a great back, but for what they want to do for that type of offense, that style of power running, you know, James Conner really fits the, fits the bill there. So I think he's a really good back.
1: If Conner would have sustained his production across a full season, I would have really thought hard about maybe putting him up. Because you know the situation in Pittsburgh – is going to lend itself to to friendly production because the passing offense there with Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Schuster, but he's a good back for me. Do you know how many touchdowns James Conner scored in the first eight weeks of the season last year? I don't. Ten. you know how many touchdowns he scored in the last eight weeks of the season? Two or three. Three. Yeah. Didn't have a single 100-yard rushing game after week eight. Had 500 yard rushing games in the first eight weeks of the season,
0: and this is the stuff. Like you know, Eddie George, the Titans just announced that they're going to retire his number, and so it prompted yeah. me to go look at his career. And Eddie George literally started 16 games for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years in a row, That's crazy. and never had less than 312 rushes in any one of those seasons. That's crazy. I got. I just got chills saying that. Like. That's the stuff and and maybe we have to shift our expectations for running backs, but that type of stuff is special, man. And before I start putting guys in these top tiers, you got to at least get me halfway to what Eddie George did. You know? <laughs> right. This guy walked got drafted out of Ohio State and just friggin was a horse from 96 to 2003. As consistent as they come, and I love that about him.
1: Okay. Houston Texans, AFC South. Their starting running back projected for this year is Lamar Miller. And Joe, Lamar Miller is not for me. Uh Lamar is twenty eight years old. He turned twenty eight in April. And you no, know, I want to give him credit because he's been pretty consistent as far as his production yards from scrimmage. He has five straight years over uh, 1,100 yards from scrimmage. But if I put him in the lexicon of like backs across the NFL, he's just not a player that that really moves the needle for me. He's never been a huge piece of the receiving game. His, his peak was in 2015 with the Dolphins. He had 47 receptions, but uh, he's only had 2,000-yard rushing seasons in his NFL career. Uh, he's... 220 pounds, he's quick, but he's not overly nimble. He just doesn't move the needle for me at this point, and he's getting a little older now.
0: I have him in that same category, Kyle, not for me. And a lot of what I think about when I tiered these players was the way I felt if I had to play against them. And Lamar Miller, to his credit, he's been a starting running back in the NFL since 2013. He's having a nice career. But is there anything special about him? Is there anything dynamic? Is there anything that when you play against the Houston Texans or you play against Lamar Miller that you're like, wow, I'm really worried about how we're going to have to slow that guy down? I don't think you get there with him. Yeah. And I'm not sure he has any trait that makes you really just kind of like – like that he can just be his trump card that he hangs his hat on. So for me, yeah, it's just like he doesn't do much for me. He doesn't move the needle. So not for me was the right place to put him for me.
1: Okay. Indianapolis Colts. Marlon Mack. Starting running back for the Indianapolis Colts. Had a nice year last year, Joe. Almost got 1,000 yards. He had a big breakout. uh, Increased his yards per rush by almost a full yard from 3.8 to 4.7. Jury's still out. I need another year. I need to see, you know, as they're expecting him. I believe Naeem Hines is there too, right?
0: Yeah, and Jordan Wilkins. I mean, Naeem Hines yeah, so, caught like 70-something passes last year. Yeah,
1: so it's not it's not like Marlon Mack's really going to get a ton more in the workload volume than the uh, 212 touches that he got last year. He had 195 carries and caught 17 balls. And, you know, with Naeem Hines and, and, and Jordan Wilkins, like he's not going to get a lot of opportunities to catch football, and that's fine. He has to be the explosive chunk play guy, and I need to see – Will the real Marlon Mackley stand up? Because you got the 2017 version who was frustrating with his vision, just like he was at USF, and then you had the improved version this year. Not all progressions linear, though. I need to see more. Yeah,
0: that's the right spot for him, Kyle. Um, you, I, you think about him in 12 games, 908 yards and nine touchdowns. is really good production in terms of his r- r- rushing output. But I think he's always going to be a guy that really <laughs> – his value is going to come in a situation exactly like in Indianapolis with other Mm -hmm. niche packs where he can, you know, he might be the the guy that gets the most touches, but are you ever going to be like, okay, this is a super valuable player to our offense that is critical to everything we do. I think the Colts, I don't think he brings that type of value to them. So jury's still out and I think he could probably be a good back. I just don't know that he'll ever be a guy that really claims a, a lead role and demands touches.
1: Jacksonville Jaguars, Leonard Fournette, Joe, this take might be a little spicy. I bet you we got him in the same place. He's not for me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Listen, I've seen enough to know, like, he battled bumps and bruises at LSU. Now he's battled bumps and bruises in Jacksonville. He's a very linear runner, and he's at a perfect kind of scheme fit in Jacksonville. But, Joe, the offense looks better without him. The offense, they, they open things up more, and this was a player that you took at the fourth overall pick. And listen, I liked Leonard Fournette. I think I had Leonard Fournette between 18 and 24 on my big board the year that he came out. So it's not even to say that I, I disliked Leonard Fournette. But he makes you pretty one-dimensional, and he's in a perfect scheme fit, and he's averaging 3.7 yards per carry with over 400 touches. 400 rushes, I'm sorry. So the production's not there, despite the attractive scheme fit. There's distractions off the field. There's been battles with bumps and bruises. He's just not for me at this point.
0: Yeah, I've got him as not for me as well, Kyle. Um, the thing about Leonard Fournette, he constipates the Jaguars' offense.
1: He does. I love I love that phrasing.
0: Yeah, it, it, well, it's it made sense when somebody said it about Calvin Benjamin in Carolina that he constipated that offense, and then I lived that in Buffalo. And I get the same vibe for Leonard Fournette. It's like you kind of get what he can be, what he can do, but at the same time, he's limiting. He limits your what you can do, and I, he's not for me. I don't want to be able to say that about my lead back, especially with you know what his salary demands are as a as a high pick on a rookie deal. So uh, I I'd, I'd pass all day long on Leonard Fournette.
1: Tennessee Titans Derrick Henry. This was a crazy stat for me, Joe. Henry made it to 1,000 yards for the first time in his career last year. But I just roughly did the math in my head, and I'm pretty sure he got half of his yardage in the final four games of the season last year. (laughs) 238 against the Jaguars, 170 against the Giants, 84 against the Redskins, and 93 against the Colts. Those aren't bad defenses no and he did a nice job and that's the thing for me I think he's a good back but he's he's kind of in the same boat as Kenyon Drake I think he's he's a little more accomplished I think he's uh, a, a more impressive mismatch when you consider his size and movement skills for his size makes him a, a, a pretty imposing back in one-on-one situations but I mean they just don't give this guy the ball. And then Tennessee finally decided down the stretch after uh, giving him two games of 18 carries in the first three. And then he had like five games of single digit carries throughout the meat of the season. They get to the final four games of the season and they give him 17 carries, 33 carries, 21 carries and 16 carries. And magically you get production on the field and he scores rushes for seven touchdowns and 500 yards. I think he's good but I was fringe with him between good and jury still out, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I have him in good. And I don't want to kind of repeat what you said there, but I think this is, if I'm going to have a back like this, then it needs to be Derek Henry and not Leonard Fournette. Yeah. So that's how a back like this can work in the NFL. And I just think that they're, Leonard Fournette's not Derek Henry and he was taken around later.
1: Oh, and Henry even, I think, shines in the zone concepts. I mean, Fournette is straight gap power.
0: And that's true. And that's something about Tennessee that's interesting is they've, they've shuffled run game styles over the last three years since Henry's been there and he's never had a chance to be familiar. And I think that's kind of what's, they've got really good pieces on their offensive line, but they've been up and down. And I think it's because of those stylistic changes and then never really able to gel in terms of what their identity is. And I think that's a good point. He's more versatile than, than Leonard Fournette.
1: Yep. Okay. Denver Broncos, Philip Lindsay for me. Jury's still out. He had a great year. UDFA came in, rushed for over a thousand yards. And he ran tough too, Joe. I mean, this this I mean he's 190. Yeah. But he he ran with some leverage and he was really impressive with how tough he ran. Uh did undergo offseason uh surgery on his right wrist. So that is something to monitor a little bit. And that's the concern for me in the long term for him is you know the durability at that size. At that workload, having 227 touches from scrimmage last year, uh, things to monitor. Jury's still out, but a very, very good first year for Philip Lindsay. Yeah, I've
0: got him in the same category, Kyle. Jury's still out for the same reasons that you said. In addition to, this is a guy who turns 25 on July 24th. So, like, even though he was a rookie and stuff, like, he's an older guy. So... I just don't know what his ceiling is, and he may have already peaked. And if if what he was last year is what he's going to continue to be, that's a really good player, but I'm not sure what type of, you know, how much life he has in his legs. So um, I have my my questions, and so his jury's still out for me.
1: Yep. Kansas City Chiefs Damien Williams. Um, Dude's not for me, at least not as a featured back. Uh, I appreciated what he was able to do averaging 3.6 yards per carry in four seasons for the Dolphins. So I got to see him up close and personal. (laughs) And then he goes to Kansas city and he averages 5.1 yards per carry and has a career high in yards from scrimmage, despite the fact that he started like six games. Um, I think the production that you saw there is ammunition for the folks that say running backs don't matter because you could take a vast majority of backup and third string running backs in the NFL and put them in the chiefs offense with the way that they space the field, and they produce. They produce just fine. Uh, D- Damian Williams doesn't, you know, borrowing from you, how, how do we stop this guy? Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, he he doesn't have any prominent traits. The, the pressure of stopping the running game for Kansas City really stems from their spacing of the field and how they like to, to stretch you out. So there's nothing special for me about Damian Williams. So he's just a guy that, you know, I could take him or leave him. He's not really for me.
0: Yeah, and I haven't been jury still out because he did so show some flashes with Kansas City, but this is also a player that's been in the league since 2014. We've got five seasons with him, and you know, like even though he had a bigger role with Kansas City last year, it's not that exciting. He had 416 total yards from scrimmage in 16 games. Like, what? I don't know what there's to get excited about yet, other than he simply plays for the Chiefs offense and he's going to get touches. But like. I think that he's a replacement level player. And if he was going to turn into a dynamic back, I think we'd have saw it sooner than 2019 in his sixth year in the NFL.
1: Yeah. I think replacement level is a great phrasing for him. Okay. This one's going to be interesting, Joe. All right. We have Melvin Gordon with the LA Chargers. Yeah. For me, for me, Melvin Gordon is a good running back at the NFL. I didn't put him in the great tier. I understand he gets a ton of production by volume. He had 342 touches in 2017, which was, by all accounts, his big breakout year. I know he finished just short of 1,000 yards, but had 10 touchdowns in 13 games in 2016. 2017, 1,100 yards, 12 touchdowns, and then at 14 touchdowns in 2018. Kind of... I wasn't in love with him coming out. and I feel like maybe that's why I still have some apprehension to call him a great back. I know he he only played 12 games last year, so I do want to give him credit there. But if you're a great back, I think you have to have elite levels of production, and I think you you have to have that for an extended period. And each one of the guys, with the exception of one guy in my elite or great category, has been able to accomplish that. So Melvin Gordon, for me, is good, not great.
0: You ready to fight about this one? no do you remember when i told you that i pulled somebody out of the elite tier
1: you pulled melvin gordon out of the elite tier
0: yeah i put him in the great tier
1: wow yeah this is a good football player kyle um, yeah he, you're right he's a good football player i but, agree with what you just said there <laughs> he's a good football player
0: calm down over there kyle um, here's the deal. Here's the deal with Melvin Gordon. Last year, if I and, and I, the, the reason I pulled him out of the elite tier is because I thought he took his game to the next level in 2018, and if he continues to be 2018 Melvin Gordon for a couple of seasons, he will be in that elite tier for me. Now, this is what keeps this is why he's in the great tier and not the good tier for me. If you think about a back that does the most with the least, I think it's Melvin Gordon because I don't know that you can look at the Chargers offensive line. If you look at the Chargers offensive line, it's not a great unit. And Melvin Gordon, even especially last year, and Melvin Gordon was able to be as productive as he was despite not necessarily having the greatest blocking in front of him. I think that, again, if he continues 2018 version of, of Melvin Gordon, He's going to be in that elite tier for me. I think he's a great player.
1: Well, my producer's pulling something up here.
0: All right. Super consistent receiver, too, which was – he's one of those guys. Didn't he catch, like, five passes in his entire career in college? Yeah, he was not used at all. (laughs) Dude raked up 182 receptions in four seasons so far in the NFL. One –
1: Two, three, four, five. Five of his career rushing yards were... He's got a lot of short short rushing touchdowns, Joe. Melvin? Yeah.
0: I didn't mention his rushing touchdowns.
1: I know, I'm just talking about his... Because the the allure of Melvin Gordon is the scoring production, right? Oh... You can't look at the rushing production and...
0: I guess, I'm guessing that's from a fantasy perspective, but...
1: Yeah, he's got 28 touchdowns rushing in the last three years. He's got a total of 38 touchdowns in the last three years. But a lot of that is, I don't call them layups because there's no layups, right? And you mentioned the bad offensive line. But I just think with the the run pass balance that the Chargers have and the usage of Melvin, like, he's getting the ball inside the five. So he's going to get his volume in, in, in touchdowns that way. So that was an area for me that, you know, thinking about his actual rushing production, this was the first year he averaged over four yards a carry, Joe. I'll
0: give you a statistic. Last year, Melvin Gordon averaged 0. .23 missed tackles per carry, which was the second highest rate for running backs in the NFL. It's
1: an impressive stat. Now do it again.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why he's not in the elite category and he's in the great category.
1: Oh, that's why he's in the good category. Okay, uh, <laughs> Oakland Raiders, Josh Jacobs, for me, jury's still out. We know nothing about him, so I can't, I can't score him anything other than jury's still out.
0: Yeah, same here. Uh, I, we'll see how it translates, especially for, look, you guys know how much I love Josh Jacobs, but at the end of the day, RB3 for Alabama, right? So he's he's got a big jump in terms of what's on his plate, and he's doing so at the NFL level on John Gruden's offense. So uh, anxious to see it. I think he's got great traits, but yeah, there's, he's a rookie. He's jury still out for sure.
1: Okay, Joe, uh, we have a moral conflict here. Yeah.
0: Let's do the NFC tomorrow.
1: Yes. Okay. (laughs) We've gone 33 minutes and done the AFC tier maker for starting running backs. We said before we went on the air, I said, Joe, our only challenge is going to be keeping this short. (laughs) He said, well, that's on us. And we made it through 16 in 33 minutes. So we're going to go ahead and wrap today's show let you guys process our reactions to the AFC starting running backs and the tiers we place them in. And then tomorrow we will circle back and we will let you guys know where we put the NFC backs, no elite backs from either one of us so far. I have a feeling that will change tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Come back, hit subscribe on the Draft Dudes podcast. Find out where we have your backs if you're fans of NFC teams. If you're really angry with where we have your AFC team backslotted, go ahead and at Tampa Bay Trey and let him know how angry you are with where we put your players. Yeah, especially about that Melvin Gordon take. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino signing off. Thanks as always for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast.